0: Here's another edition of Making Money, the financial coach. Ron Hebert joins us, retired portfolio manager. I'm Gord Whitehead, a retired broadcaster. Ron, we want to start with something that's been in the news of late, and that's the, the whole idea of crypto. And, and the title of this show is Invest in What You Know. Now, we anecdotally, I can say I knew a couple of people that got in on Bitcoin, I don't know, a couple of years ago, whatever it was. Oh, Gord, you should get in this I did not understand it. I profess I did not understand it. I'm old-fashioned. I believe investing in things that have something backing
1: them up. You feel the same way, don't you? I feel exactly the same way. And the things that are abundant in my portfolio have two outstanding characteristics. One, they generate revenue. In other words, they've got sales. And number two... They generate a profit or produce wealth. And, you know, if you're investing, that is the whole key principle behind the process is to invest in wealth generation or wealth generating vehicles, whether it's bonds or stocks or real estate or whatever it is. It's things that will increase in value over time. Well, there'd be those mechanism. that
0: would argue cryptocurrencies have done that, right? They, they have gone up in value. There's no debating that. Well, they've
1: taken a pretty big crash of late, too. Yeah, and, and, and I don't dismiss the, the premise that when you've got something that eventually went to 69000 that you'd increased your wealth. But there is nothing behind that. There's no sales other than, you know, it's a trading currency and uh, there is uh, really no revenue behind it. And you know, occasionally you'll find things where there's no sales or no revenue. I mean, you'll find um, pieces of art, collector coins that because of their rarity go up in value, uh, you know, tenfold, twentyfold, a hundredfold for the conservative investor the investor that really wants to have the odds on their side when they're making a trade in other words you know you want the chances of success at 7 out of 10 8 out of 10 9 out of 10 10 out of 10 if that is your premise to investing and i think that most of the listeners that have followed us for for all these years, know that that is the tried and true low risk way to produce wealth is to find things that grow that wealth through increased sales and increased profits and keep regenerating that money back into the business and growing and growing. And over time, um, you have an asset that's worth far more than you really put in. So, you know, we on this show like to make high probability bets. And wealth generation machines are those that increase their sales and increase their profits over time. And, you know, there's other ways that you can, you can make money. If you, I mean, if you were early enough and you could get in on a bank ski or a Rembrandt or, or uh, a baseball card, a Babe Ruth baseball card, well, congratulations and good for you. But for most people, that is a real outlier. For most people, the, the most dependable way – of producing wealth is just finding companies that can generate it and whether you buy their bonds or their stock or you buy real estate that you can rent and uh, you're generating positive cash flow month after month after month, that is the low risk way of getting to a large bank account and that's the stuff we tend to focus on here.
0: Well, and a final note, there's just been so much fraud involved in the whole thing. There have been uh, a lot of people lost a lot of money. Uh, I'm not sure that they ever even knew where it was to begin with, but uh, let's leave that there. Let's talk about investing in things that you know. So one of the biggest mistakes you could make is being teased by a stock and thinking, well, I should get on that. But you don't really understand what the stock is about or the sector is about, correct? If you
1: don't understand the economic drivers behind the sector, you're not going to know the signs that tell you to get out (laughs) or to get in. Yeah, there's rough times ahead or there's good times ahead. If you don't understand the sector, how do you know when to buy and when to sell? So it's really important if, if you are in a conundrum where you don't know a... Either stay away, or B, you know, buy a fund or something that specializes in that sector where you've got an expert who's able to keep their eye on things for you. Or C, just ignore it. Or if you can find, uh, if you've got someone who's an expert in the sector, I mean, let's say you know someone who's a, a biochemist. And uh, they're buying a particular biotechnology stock because they've done the research on it. and They say, wow, this is really, really amazing. And you can get their certitude that they'll keep in touch with you. So they're just not going to tell you to get in, but not to get out. So you've got an experienced set of eyes watching it for you. Yeah, then, then maybe buy some. But for the most part, generally, you'll find that you make the most money over time just Staying in the circle of confidence, like Warren Buffett says, I only buy the things I understand.
0: So what about sectors where you need some high expertise? I would think biotech is one of them, isn't it? Biotech is absolutely
1: a sector where where you need some understanding. Because frankly, Gord, if you showed me some green slime at the bottom of a test tube and told me this was going to be the next big thing to cure some uncurable disease like cancer. I would look at it, and I wouldn't have a clue. You could explain the, the uh, chemical uh, structure of it and the, yeah. the protein chains and all the, the you know the DNA structure and how you could splice it and do this or that, and I would just sit there looking at you with glazed eyes. So I would have no way to verify that one way or the other whether that was going to happen. So those are the kind of, especially the, the junior ones where Literally, they haven't come out with anything that has commercial value yet because they haven't finished the testing space. And, you know, you're lucky if one out of ten drugs or compounds that they are testing turns into a commercially viable product. So, you know, those are the kind of things that because I don't have the expertise um, and usually I don't have the ability to phone someone up with that kind of background and hire them and say, can you, take, uh, can you take a week and look at this, and I'll pay you for it to tell me if it uh, has some commercial viability or not. Um, I'll stay away from that stuff because it's just too hard to know. And it's a low probability, it's a low probability bet, especially biotechnology in early stages. You're, you know, between one out of 10 and maybe one out of 100 of, of hitting it right. Okay, emerging markets, that's another dangerous area. You don't know enough about the background of that market, right? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, the political drivers, is there going to be a revolution? Well, I mean, everybody was surprised by the Arab Spring. Everybody was surprised by Russia and Ukraine. Uh, everybody was surprised by Saudi Arabia fighting Yemen. Um, the list know, the goes list... on
0: and on, yeah. Oh, well,
1: the list goes on and on, and... Uh, You know, places that don't have democracies are very difficult to invest in because the political situation in these countries is literally like rolling a dice. So um, one rule of thumb is if it's a dictatorship, I tend to steer clear. I mean, I made a few mistakes in recently investing in China that I deeply regret. I forgot that these people are communists. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, that's true, yeah, and it, they're making up the rules as they go along, right? They can make the rules any way they choose.
1: And especially now with Xi, who has decided to stay in for a third term. And maybe uh, for life. And I think that's probably going to be for life, and, yeah. and he's proven the last two or three years that he's very anti-market, anti-wealth. You know, you look at their stock market, it hit a high of 6,000 their Shanghai market back in 2006 and roughly it's trading about half of that today so literally we're talking 16 almost 17 years later Gord and the the, the markets down by half uh, the last literally and these are the last 15 years that uh, or, or for a good chunk of that she was the uh, the man in charge the, Yeah, the man in charge and he is definitely anti-profit so to me that area has become uninvestable. But there are so many places that you can invest. Britain, Europe, Japan, United States, Canada, Australia, New Zealand. And literally, uh, if you add those together, they have 70% of the world's market capitalization anyway. So there's lots of opportunity out there.
0: Artificial intelligence, that's something. (laughs) Unless you got a lot of intelligence about artificial
1: intelligence, steer clear. (laughs) Yeah, there again, you know, artificial intelligence is um, you can invest in companies that are developing artificial intelligence, or, you know, if you want to invest in the space, invest in companies that are taking artificial intelligence and actually using it in their workspace. So, you know... You're getting intelligent robots now that are being used on assembly lines. Well, you know, the biggest employer of robots until recently has been the auto industry. So and uh, the robots are getting smarter and smarter And sooner we're going to see robots starting to appear in fast food restaurants. They're going to be making the burgers and uh, you'll go into one of these places, push a button and the burger will slide out to you not made by someone, but made by a machine. So it's quickly expanding, and and so rather than invest in somebody who's inventing the technology, you're far better off maybe owning something even like a McDonald's, which is going to be a big user of this technology, or someone like Toyota, which is also a big user of the technology. Pharmaceuticals, that kind of ties to
0: biotech in a way, doesn't it?
1: Yes. And, uh, you know, biotech is is bigger because you've got gene splicing and you've got uh, a lot of uh, research behind it. The pharmaceuticals are more of the compounds that you end up taking uh, to fight various diseases. And here again, um, people tend to invest in the little guys. They want to put their money in the little guys because they're doing the research, and that's where you've got the biggest chance. The home run that's where you also have uh, the largest possibility of a striking out yeah. yeah 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 so <laughs> you're far it's far superior in that space is to buy the big companies you know if you've got a company that has a research department of 100 phds that are doing work on on different chemicals compounds and they're always on the lookout and they're buying promising-looking little companies. They put them under their wing, and you know you might have 20 or 30 promising uh, drugs in their portfolio. And if you get four or five of those that work out, well, you're going to make, and they become mega-sellers, uh, you're going to make lots of money. So if you're going to play the pharmaceutical space, go with the big guys and stay away from the little guys because the big guys, here again, you've got the expertise to shepherd these products into commercialization where the little guys a they don't have the, the bench strength and they don't have the financial strength often uh, to take those products to the finish line where they actually become commercially viable.
0: Software development I guess that ties into AI in a way but uh, a lot of software being developed
1: for who knows what these days right? Yeah and especially the the stuff that is uh, the software that's developed for social media you know so much of that ends up getting hype Uh, going straight up, and then they find out that, you know, it's really cool, but it it can't generate a profit, so it goes straight down. So you want to be really careful. If I want to own a software company, you know, you can own something like a Microsoft, for example, which um, or a Google, uh, which is always developing software. They've got an enormous R&D department. They're always bringing out stuff, and you've got a far higher probability of success by letting someone else figure out what is, uh, what is viable and what isn't, rather than you waiting in there and trying to figure it out for yourself. Mining companies, kind of be hit and miss, right? You know, mining companies, Gord, have uh, such a, they're, they're, they're just such a long shot to begin with. You know, when someone files a stake in the ground, I had a geophysic, uh, 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 geophysicist, Uh, who had a mining uh, company where they did assays and they had geologists working for them. And he told me, he showed me a file, and and there was over 2,000 manila file folders in this big file he had. And I asked him, I said, out of these 2,000 claims that uh, you've done work on, how many of them have ever become commercially viable mines. He looked at me and didn't even flinch. Didn't even have to go look out. He said, two. There you, know, you go. Two. Yeah. two out of 2,000. Well, here again, do I know which two out of 2,000 that's going to be? No. But if I, if I own a bigger miner, well, you know, they might have 100 claims they're working on. Ten of them might become mines. But those ten, because their portfolio is so big, um, are going to make enough money uh more than make enough money to cover the others that that aren't profitable so in this space especially rather than going with the little guys if you want to play this, you also should consider uh, investing in one of the major players who has a big portfolio, and you know they just automatically know that among all the claims that they're working on, or all the properties that they're 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 doing work on, some are going to be failures, and some are going to be spectacular success. So, by having lots of uh, junior claims in their portfolio, uh, they put the odds on their side of at least having, you know, two out of uh, two out of ten, or ten out of a hundred, or whatever the odds turn out to be. Whereas if you buy just one little junior, well. Here again, the odds are against you. You just don't have enough promising plays, and you don't even know which the best plays are in the first place uh, to put the odds in your favor.
0: Okay, final one is designer fashions. That's one I, uh, well, I wouldn't go there. <laughs> like what are you talking about, Hugo Boss or something like that, or, or
1: Ralph Lauren? Or... <laughs> oh, it, it I mean, you look at the, the garbage dump or the wreckage heap of fads, where a company came out of nowhere with something that was wildly accepted as the new cool. And then within six months, it was dumped. Something else was cooler (laughs) and something else was way cooler. Yeah. I mean, there are some people that seem to be able to, uh, you know, appear at the front end of the, the, the fashion world all the time, like the Kardashians or, but, you know, they're very, very few and far between. Most of us wouldn't have a clue if something has staying power, or or something is going is just trendy, or something that you know you saw once and it never even left the launching pad. So, uh, designer uh, fashion is just something that I I I just routinely stay away from because I have no clue uh, what the longevity of this stuff is.
0: So uh, the tip there is, if it's an area you're not sure about, try to stay clear. If you want to play the game, get into an ETF, probably, right? That covers that sector?
1: That is a very, very good piece of advice, Gord.
0: Okay, let's quickly go over some where you don't need as much expertise. Our favorite, right to start the list,
1: railroads. Railroads are very simple. There's, in Canada, there's two. You don't have a lot of choice, so they're a monopoly. And there's many goods that, frankly, you can't ship economically any other way. Grain, most commodities, especially uh, minerals, copper, you know, you just because this stuff is heavy, iron ore, it ships by rail. It's the only way you can get it around. So railroads are far more efficient than hauling by truck. There's a lot of advantages. They're a monopoly. So they are a very, very good company. And most people can understand how a railroad works. So, very, very simple to understand. Okay, the next one, something we all have
0: in common, we all check out of the Hotel <laughs> California eventually, uh, <laughs> funeral homes. Now, well, funeral homes,
1: here again, you really have two options. You get buried or you get cremated. And it, it used to be a lot of fear in the industry that cremation was going to take away all the profitability. but. Um, essentially, they've loaded it up. You still generally, when somebody gets cremated, um, you have a service at the funeral home. Often, there's food served. There's flowers. There's all the other things. There's ads in the paper. All these things that are extra services that the funeral home charges and adds and layers onto the 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 cost. So uh, it's turned out to be quite profitable for them. And and you know, uh, I hate to be negative. But, you know, COVID-19 has proved to be a real boon for the funeral business as well. So it's not a hard business to understand.
0: Okay, uh, the next one, and we've touched on this, uh, distillers and brewers and winemakers, they're all under the same umbrella. The beverage industry,
1: basically, the, I guess the alcoholic beverage industry. So, and, and, and here again, Gord, most people, you know, they might change preferences. Like uh, young people used to drink a lot more beer. Now they're, they're, they're drinking, you know, the spritzers and... Seltzers and, the, and whatnot, yeah. Yeah, seltzers, but they're still drinking. I mean, and the companies that made the beer or, or make the wine or make the hard alcohol, uh, essentially they have a full deck of products that they offer. And frankly, if, if trends change, so people are drinking different things, they just produce different stuff. I know some of the um, companies that, That I've had in my own portfolio for decades, like Diageo, the big British spirits um, maker, you know, they've gone up four or five times in value, you know, nothing spectacular, just steady Eddie. And you understand how the, you know, you could, Gord, I know you could set up a still in your backyard and make most of this stuff. It might not taste quite as good, but you (laughs) could make good. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wear
0: my floppy hat and, <laughs> you know, bring that corn and the <laughs> copper tubing in, Yeah, Okay. okay. Uh, so, in, and I guess maybe a, a, as a corollary of this, we should put beverage companies in there, like soft drink companies, right? Or people that make <laughs> sparkling water or whatever.
1: In the, in the beverage industry, there's a number of smaller players like Red Bull and, and so on, but uh, Monster Beverage. But the big guys uh, have an enormous chunk of the market and to see how big uh, piece of the market they have just go into a grocery store and look at either Pepsi or Coca-Cola products and see how much shelf space they demand they command versus everyone else it's amazing so if you want to buy something generally 80% of what you're going to be looking at is is from two companies and if you're a little company trying to get shelf space in a major retailer good luck very, very hard.
0: Still remember that old beer commercial <clears throat> from years ago. Stay thirsty, my friends. You know, there yes, you go. Yes. Stay uh, thirsty. <laughs> we like utilities too, Ron. This is one that, I mean, we all understand. We turn on the light switch, the furnace comes on, whatever the case may be. We turn the tap on, and water comes out, right? Yeah. And on top of that,
1: they are regulated. So, yeah. uh, you know, the utility board generally uh, gives them. Uh, parameters of of how much profitability they're allowed to make providing the service. So, not only is it essential, but you know, they're they're given uh, a wide enough runway so that they can produce a, a consistent profit. Which, I mean, what more could you want in a stock? Pipelines. You've been a big fan of those for
0: a long time because they're already in the
1: ground. Yeah, and and most pipelines are are take or pay. In other words there's a contract that you sign with the company saying that you've got to uh, take so much product or deliver so much product depending on which end of the pipeline you're on and that if you don't you pay for the space anyways so they're very very consistent and of course the last couple of years it's been very very difficult uh, to increase uh, pipeline capacity uh, that we have in North America and as a result, with no new space coming on, the, the space available is you know pretty much 100% booked virtually everywhere. And so the less competition you have, uh, the more stable your pricing can be and you're not going to have gouging pricing which takes all the profitability out of it. So because of uh, the environmental movement, uh, Pipeline space has gone to a premium.
0: Okay, this next one is uh, is really something, Freight Shippers, uh, an example like FedEx. If you've ever flown into Memphis <laughs> and you get a look at that monster, all these planes with the FedEx logo on it, you get. Some, or if you watch Castaway with Tom Hanks, you get some idea of the scope of that company, but there are others too, right?
1: Yeah, there's UPS, there's Cargo Jet, and uh, frankly, even a lot of the airlines now. Uh, doing COVID, uh, they just unbolted the seats from their planes, took them out, and uh, started flying cargo uh, to keep their fleet in the air. So uh, as we move more and more to e-commerce, things are on the consumer side. People not only want the convenience of shopping online, but they want the convenience of, of, you know, they don't want three months to delivery by uh, shipping on usually land by truck or by rail, which can take often weeks. They, want, they buy stuff, they want it right away. So, demand for places like UPS and FedEx, Cargo Jet uh, has increased dramatically. And you understand the business. We like banks. You know, banks, water utilities, insurance companies, they're all businesses that we, are, are things that we use all the time. And you know, water utilities. You understand. You turn on the tap. You've got to clean the stuff before you get it, and then the the, the stuff that goes down the drain. The dirty stuff has to get cleaned again before it's put back in the system. And that's uh, and that's what they do. I mean, banks. Uh, we need banking services for mortgages for everything else. Insurance companies. You know, there's three big ones in life insurance companies in Canada. And uh, they're virtually monopolies. We all need insurance, uh, life insurance, car insurance, health insurance, and uh, property insurance. No. So there's, 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 these businesses just aren't going away, Gord.
0: Fast food, is it still as strong
1: as it has been in the past? Seems well, to think, be. Yeah, well, it, I think fast food is actually picking up because with inflation, you've just got more and more people that can't afford, you know, if if you if you can't afford going to Ruth's Chris or a, another high-end restaurant, you can probably still afford going to McDonald's and getting yourself a, uh, a, a, a an upgraded meal where you get you get fries, a drink, and uh, some kind and of a burger. a burger. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's not a, definitely not a gourmet experience, but it gets the job done so with uh, more inflation and people not being able to afford their buying power being eroded away and not being able to afford so much, fast food restaurants have uh, taken on a new importance for people that want something to eat but can't a- uh, you know, they're just on
0: a budget. So here's an area where you need low expertise, and that ties into the last one here,
1: is food processors. I mean, we all eat, right? That's... We, all, we all have to eat. In fact when people say well what food company should I look at well I call it doing the lazy susan research or the kitchen cabinet research just take all the products you've got put them on the counter and then start grouping them find out the companies that are made by Kellogg's uh, general mills uh Nestle's and just go down the list group them all together and you'll be shocked at There aren't that many companies, are there? There are not that many companies out there doing this, and you're buying these products week after week after week after week.
0: So there you go. Not a lot of expertise involved there. Know your limits. Know what you can understand and what you don't understand, and try to avoid the latter. Is that the simple lesson here?
1: Uh, You put it very eloquently, Gord.
0: All right, my friend. We're back again next week. We're going to take a look at... uh, It's your favorite show of the year, I think, before we take the Christmas break. Uh, All the best books to
1: maybe lay your hands on for investment advice, right? Yeah, this year we've also expanded it. So not only do we have the best books, but we've got some of the best videos and we've got the best newsletters. So in uh, essentially information media, the best podcasts. So there's going to be lots here in this show. And of course... If you're looking for books to buy for Christmas, because uh, you've got an investment junkie that uh, is hard to buy for, we'll have a real good list of a wide variety of topics that, that would be great reading for any investor.
0: All right. We're back next week to discuss that topic on making money. On behalf of the financial coach, Ron Hebert, I'm Gord Whitehead. Thanks for joining us. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.